Welcome to the Not So Average Podcast. My name is Courtney and I built this podcast to deconstruct traditional advice and the idea of living an average life to inspire you to step into your power and be the creator of your own life. If you're also viewing living an average life as very boring and you're looking to upgrade your mind, body, and soul, then you're in the right place. I'm so glad to have you here. Subscribe to hear new episodes every Wednesday on all streaming platforms. And let's jump into the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy Wednesday. I'm so excited to have you join with another episode, listening in on your hawker walk or your commute to work, or maybe you're just hanging out, cooking some food, whatever you're doing. Very glad that you're here. Um, I'm kind of just going to jump into it because it's spring, it's spring freaking cleaning, and I am all about the energy. I feel like I have chatted a few times in the last couple episodes about how it's a real clearing out season of like out with the old, in with the new, and I've been thinking about how we hold on to so many material items and the like emotional attachments that come with it and how our obsession, especially for women, I think it's through socialization of needing new clothes and always trying to find ways to kind of upgrade our appearance and almost the strive to be like the hottest, most attractive versions of ourselves, not because we want to feel really good internally, but this external source, this external validation that is essentially enforced on us by society to make us think it's like, for us, but it's it's really not. That's where a lot of these industries capitalize on us hating ourselves. But there is this thin line of also treating yourself and, you know, spending money on the things that make you feel good. So as someone who's been obsessed with fashion and makeup and health and fitness and all these things for many years, it's a really weird kind of line to toe for me because I can appreciate it, but I can also criticize some of the ways that we've interacted with these industries over the years and how I haven't always had good relationships with how I spent money and how I fixated on my physical appearance and always strived to be attractive, but actually hated myself internally. So that's really what I want to talk about today is like the physical and energetic glow up and what that can look like, how I have been able to change my relationship with my appearance and my body and myself, and also some spring cleaning elements sprinkled in there because I recently just got rid of a bunch of shit. (laughs) So let's talk about that today. I actually did an Instagram post this week that I'm recording. You won't hear this till next week, but I did an Instagram post basically just sharing how I have gone through so many years of trying to be the hottest version of myself. And I'm just going to read you the caption to kind of set the scene for where I'm going with this podcast today. So I said, I've gone through many years of trying to be the hottest version of myself. This was done through years of crash dieting, restricting, binging, fearing, and overall came from a place of hatred. I may have appeared confident on the outside, but I was so deeply insecure. I have struggled with disordered eating, body dysmorphia, and ultimately putting my through body through torture, trying to numb or escape. I've changed my hair many times, typically associated with the huge events happening in my life. I've spent thousands of dollars on 
highlights, blowouts, bleach and tones, hair products, and never felt like I found me until recently. My instinct when I'm entering a new chapter is to change my hair, but I am finally in a place where I really truly love my hair. It's at its longest, healthiest, most luscious state, and I feel like it's the most me. I've spent years working in the makeup industry where I piled on products because I felt like I should. Although I still love makeup, I view it and use it differently today. Ultimately, what's changed the way I feel about my appearance has required me to change what I believe about myself and reprogram my mind. I took six months off of alcohol. I started repairing my relationship with food. I found a healthy balance of movement that includes strength training, Pilates, and cardio, but I don't hate my life doing it, and I feel really freaking good. I started honoring more of what my body needs, like sleep. I made cold plunges or showers and time in the sauna part of my weekly routine. I learned ways to calm my nervous system down and get out of the fight or flight after spending years always on the verge of a panic attack. Through all of this work, I finally feel like I'm entering the best season of my life where I feel the hottest and my physical reality is changing simultaneously and that feels fucking good. That's what I wrote and that's what I shared on Instagram with a little carousel of photos of me today versus you know, photos of the different body fluctuations I've gone through and the different hairstyles and makeup I've gone through. And I'm always really hesitant to posting before and afters when it comes to body images because it doesn't tell the full story. Just because someone may appear leaner and more toned and essentially skinnier doesn't mean that they're any healthier. And that is something that I learned the hard way through my own experiences and journey of being really skinny, but actually being so miserable and not nourishing my body the way that I needed to and ultimately having no energy and it caused more issues. But then I've been on the flip side where I have, you know, gained weight in times where I was using food as a numbing mechanism. I was turning to binge eating and then I would go through that vicious cycle of then restricting. And although I didn't you know, struggle with any type of purging. I know that that's something a lot of women, you know, go through. And that is where the vicious cycle comes in. The extra five to 10 pounds isn't the thing that was the issue. It was the underlying issues of why I was so inflamed. And I felt almost puffy, if that makes sense. Like I felt so inflamed internally. And it was from a variety of those reasons. Now, when I think of the physical changes, finding your best body to me comes from finding what works for you. And this is going to be really difficult because there is no one size fits all. If you ate and worked out the exact same way I do, you would still look differently than me because we come from different body types, we have different genetics, and we might be different heights, whatever it may be. So that can be a huge cause of confusion for a lot of people. And I know I went through this comparing myself to others on the internet, especially those we look up to. I loved, you know, Nikki Blackader and Whitney Simmons and Grace Beverly is what her handle is. I can't remember her last name. 
but all of these like fitness YouTubers that would share their workouts and what they were eating and their macros, I would start to copy them to a T, specifically Nikki Blackader. I was obsessed with her. I followed her when her and Christian Guzman were dating. I met the both of them separately and I was just obsessed with that era of like fitness influencers. And I think that they're both still incredible humans, amazing content creators, but the way that I was consuming their content and comparing myself was where kind of some unhealthy patterns started happening. And, you know, I didn't realize that for so long prior to this, I was comparing myself to taller women, women who were literally like models, you know, 5'11", 5'12", like almost six foot, you know, who are obviously towering over me. I'm five foot two. So when I found Nikki Blackader, it felt so much more attainable knowing that she's I think she's like five one she's like slightly shorter than me so I felt like I could really almost relate to her just knowing that she was shorter but she also carries fat differently than I do and at the end of the day we just all have different bodies so I know that this can feel confusing and annoying because we're all looking for that quick fix we're all looking for that way to just find exactly what our body needs but we really have to do it intuitively and through research and trial and error i think that when we start to clear out some of the noise on what everyone else is doing and start to kind of find the practices that really work for us and what make us feel the best that is when we step into our power and actually feel our best and i know for me i've gone through so many different trends of even movement like i've gone through the heavy lifting versus the cardio bunny versus crossfitter versus the yoga um like only yoga um that I went through just doing Pilates and spin for a few years during the pandemic and now I'm back into a mixture of all so I'm lifting weights multiple times a week I'm doing some cardio and I'm doing some Pilates and right now I truly feel super strong I feel like I have really sorted through the injuries that I've had for a long time. I hurt my knee back in December in Mexico and that has been feeling so much better, so much stronger. And I just feel like I'm really stepping into my most powerful being currently in the way that I'm eating and moving and I'm taking days off when I need it and really listening to my body. Like if I'm sore, I will not go to the gym no matter how bad my ego wants to. And sometimes I battle with that still today is feeling that guilt of not going to the gym every day, but it's, you know, actually better to rest and to be able to take those days of rest will actually set you so much farther in the long run than trying to do it all in the short term and then burn out or get injured, whatever it may be. So I if you're in that same space of trying to figure out how you feel your best in terms of your physical body, what I would recommend is truly just doing trial and error. Like try out different workout classes or forms of workouts. See how you feel after. Do you feel energized or do you feel super drained? I was doing this one workout program in 2020 along with intermittent fasting. And although I looked super lean and I honestly felt really great in how I looked, you know, in the fact that I was really lean and I was seeing abs and I was like, holy shit, look at me. But I was so fucking drained. I literally would have to have a nap after my workout because I was so 
out of balance when it came to my energy levels and my hormones and whatever the mixture was of the kind of workouts I was doing with the intermittent fasting and all of that, it just, it set me up for a major, major crash in the middle of the day and I hated that feeling. So being able to find what really works for you is going to require just trying some different things. I never thought I would ever like Pilates and I didn't the first few times I tried it. But then when I got injured in 2020, I had basically broke my ankle. Um, I decided to give Melissa Wood Health's method a try. I had followed her on social media for years and I really love her. And I was like, skirt, I'm going to just give it a go because that's all I can do right now. And through the practice and making it a habit is where I actually found the results and where I found the love that suddenly formed with it. It's so much harder than I ever expected, but it's honestly something that has changed my entire life. Not just her and the way that she is, like everything that she stands for is something that I find really aligned with me. She's been a, a huge expander in my life, but also her form of Pilates and movement is something that I really gravitate towards, but I do love to mix in some cardio and some strength training in addition to that um, because it's been making me feel my best and aligning with how I want to be long-term. And what I mean by that is like longevity. There are, you know, very real science to back up how important strength training is for as you get older. So that for me is so much more like important as I'm getting older, I'm only turning 25 this year, but like I want to be in my 50s and 60s, absolutely just full of life, so youthful, so energized, and so mobile. I never want to become one of those people who by the age of 50 is, you know, hardly able to walk up the stairs. Like I don't want that. That is one of my greatest fears. And so if I can do anything to prevent that and stay as healthy as humanly possible, then that is what I'm going to do. And part of that is understanding not only what we enjoy and what we like and what makes us feel good, but the research that backs up things. So, you know, a different podcast that I love is The Skinny Confidential. They bring in a ton of experts and I just love Lorna Michael. I love Andrew Huberman. He is a, you know, world-class expert at this point. I don't know if that's a title he uses, but he's fucking incredible. And I also like to go through different ones like Ed Milet. Not only is he a massive expert himself, but then he brings on so many experts as well as Lewis Howes, actually. He's a former athlete who has a lot of experts on his show as well. So those are a couple podcasts that I really love listening to as resources to learn about different things. And it's really interesting to learn the like fad break of like fad what do you call that ah I found the term fad mythbusters. I heard Will Cole Dr. Will Cole talk about this on the Skinny Confidential just in the last episode I think it was like last week and just learning about what different experts say about different fads so for example the topic of intermittent fasting versus cold and hot therapy versus you know eating keto or vegan or all those different things that become all the rage like are they actually good for us who is it good for what are the purpose what are the functions and just really informing myself and kind of learning kind of taking what I like and taking what really makes me feel good and then leaving what doesn't I know for me in terms of diet I have also gone through ebbs and flows of eating meat I recently have 
somehow cured. I don't know if I can say cure, but I think I've grown out of my allergies to dairy and gluten, which has been so crazy. I, for years, have struggled so horribly with these allergies. And I went to an allergist a couple years ago during uh, my time in university. And when I went to the allergist, I had already cut out gluten and dairy, dairy for at least a couple years, and then gluten, I want to say like maybe four months, five months. And by the time I saw him, he was like, well, the only way to test for celiac disease is if you've been eating gluten for three months. So based on your symptoms and based on how badly it affects you, we recommend to just continue life as though you're celiac, unless you want to put yourself through the pain of eating gluten to then, you know, test for it. And at that point, it didn't make sense for me. So I just decided to move forward with my gluten allergy. And I would test and push the boundaries over the years. And every time I would eat it, I would have some of the worst symptoms. You know, my whole body would feel like it's essentially has hives, but you wouldn't see anything. Like my whole body would be itchy. I would have massive bloating for probably two weeks. It's like my body truly could not process it. It would cause a lot of discomfort, a lot of digestion issues in terms of not being able to process it. And it was just highly not worth it, not worth the pain. Where dairy was a little bit less intense. I thought dairy was so bad when I was in high school and started like actually throwing up from eating ice cream. But then when I developed this gluten thing, it actually was way worse. So I was like, well, if I'm going to be poisoned in some way, I'd rather have dairy than have gluten. Like that's where I kind of came to. But recently I was eating a hot dog at 2 a.m. outside of a club when I had been drinking and I had maybe smoked a little bit of a joint and someone was offering free hot dogs outside of this club. I ate one, woke up the next day, was completely fine. And then I later that day ordered Greek food over Uber Eats. And if you guys are in Toronto and you haven't tried Agora, oh my God, insane. Um, And I ate the pita bread and the tzatziki, which is yogurt sauce um, in the meal. I ate both just to test it. At this point, I was like, screw it. I'm just going to try it out. And I was fine. I was like a little bit bloated and then it passed and I was fine. Like I just had some peppermint tea and was completely fine. I've now tested it a few times since and so far have been good. I can't say that I have been completely cured because it doesn't make me feel always my best. So I definitely don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I'm going to at least no longer stress if I want to either try something or be at a restaurant and there's something in it. I'm not as, you know, anxiety filled when I go out to eat, which is like a really beautiful thing. On a side note, if you want to get a little woo-woo, I'm pretty sure Dr. Joe Dispenza's work has been a huge influence in how I've been able to correct some of this chronic pain that I've experienced, including my endometriosis. I don't want to get too into it because I don't want you to compare to me at all, but it has been a huge relief. And I think that even the stress we can carry from worrying about what to eat, worrying about what our weight looks like, you know, calories, all of that, that can cause inflammation and cortisol to spike, which has us like holding on to more weight. I find that once we've started, I've started to heal kind of the internal, the external has completely transformed without actually focusing on it. So that's my story. Obviously not a dietitian here, not an expert, just sharing how I've been able to transform my body, my relationship with my body 
through the years and really focusing on absolutely what makes me feel good. And if I don't enjoy it, I don't do it. If you don't like a healthy food, let's say you're not about the spinach, then don't eat spinach, like eat something else. It's just one of those things that you have to work through and find. Now, I am definitely more inclined to do the granola cruncher things and foods because I was gluten-free and still am for so long. I still buy gluten-free bread. I don't eat like regular bread, but if I want some sourdough later down the road, I'll eat it. But yeah, like I'm way more inclined to have those seedy type things um, because I've been used to it for so long, but you have to find what works for you and figure out what is maintainable long-term and manageable long-term. If you're not going to maintain it, it doesn't just don't bother like you don't want to do crash diets I've done so many of those and it always leaves me feeling more defeated taking a quick break here to let you know that I finally launched my website in a free step-by-step guide on how to get unstuck and reclaim your power based on the messages and feedback I get from the listeners of this podcast I think that you're really going to love it so I hope that you're excited you can head over to the show notes put your email in and download your copy of the guide today Now, when it comes to clothes and that type of appearance, I have been really loving decluttering. I have moved around a couple times over the years now, but I've always had stuff in multiple places. Like when I lived in Vancouver, I still had some stuff in Ontario over at my parents' house. When I was even in university, I would have stuff in my London apartment, but then still stuff at my parents' house. You know, there's just always like multiple homes that I would have a ton of stuff in and it made me kind of be able to accumulate more, just not realizing how much there actually is. And so when I got to Toronto, majority of my stuff is now here. I think I have a couple boxes of like baby items and stuff at my parents' house, but now I've been decluttering, spring cleaning the fuck out of my life, like literally clearing out anything. And what I realized is kind of through this Marie condoing my life is clearing out emotional attachments to items. For example, I think I shared this on another podcast, but I'm going to share it anyways. Sorry if this is repetitive. I had these disgusting Victoria's Secret pink um, gray sweatpants. They were like extra large boyfriend style sweatpants that were just so comfy. And the material was just the best, the fit, like they were just the comfiest sweatpants I've honestly ever owned. But I've also had them since maybe grade eight. It's been a hot, hot minute. And I really have stained the hell out of these things. They're so gross at this point. They needed to go. And I don't know why, maybe because I lived alone in Vancouver that I didn't feel the need to get rid of them. But I was in my apartment and I went downstairs, I think to like get a package or get the mail or something. And some hot guy walked by me and I was wearing these nasty gray sweatpants. And I just had this immediate like, I need to get rid of these. These are not matching with my highest self at all. These are so dirty and like stained. There's nothing I can do to make these look brand new again. They just gotta go. They're the Victoria's Secret pink branding is completely scratching off. Like they're just not cute anymore. And you know when an item is just so old at a certain point you've worn it so badly that there's almost like a scent that's like there too. Like they just never felt super fresh anymore. And so I had to make space for the new. But I had this weird emotional attachment to it of like, I've had these for so long. They're the comfiest things ever. And I think that when we have a scarcity mindset towards some of these items, it's 
kind of being like, we're never going to find better. You know, we're never going to find something comfier or whatever. And we can even be scarce with the mindset around money. Like, oh, I spent money on this, so I don't want to get rid of it. And of course, you know, being fiscally responsible is one thing, but the fear of not finding better or the fear of replacing that item isn't serving us, right? I know for me, I realized that I was maybe attached to them for some sort of comfort, some sort of like safety blanket that I just had to let go of because they just don't match my future highest self visually. And I know that I like I would rather have new sweatpants and I don't have to buy expensive ones. I just need ones that are not disgusting anymore. <laughs> but for some reason, it was really difficult to do. And so I think that really making space for the new, truly clearing out the clutter, making space requ- is required to be able to not only let go of who you used to be, what you used to wear, but the stuff that no longer served you from those times as well. I think energetically, it's actually a massive upgrade. And I know for me, part of my glow up is not about the actual visual, it's the energy that you carry, which actually in turn changes how you are viewed in the world. Just like how I talked about in the episode about being hot, when people are, you just look at them, you're like, God, they're so hot. It's not because of specific physical aspects, typically. It's kind of like that Pete Davidson effect, right? There's this debate of half the world saying he's so attractive and the other half are like, what are you talking about? And I think it's the way that he carries himself that makes him so attractive. And he's funny and this and that. He's tall. That helps. But it's there's something there that je ne sais quoi that makes him so attractive. I think that's about a lot of people. So when you think of the energy you bring, if you are wearing, you know, the greasy gray sweatpants that I had and you know that they're just not good, then you're probably feeling like that kind of head down, shoulders slumped, looking down at the ground rather than that confident being that you want to feel like. And so I think that aligning how we feel about things that are in our closet with how we want to feel and how we want to present ourselves is really crucial. And when you pour into feeling good about how you look, you show up in the world in just a different energy, which results in those new outcomes, results in completely feeling differently. And I also want to just remind you that justifying getting rid of things because they no longer align is enough justification. You don't have to wait for it to be completely ripped or the wrong size to clear the clutter. doesn't mean that we want to continue mass consuming like all this fashion and taking part of fast fashion as much and contributing to all of that and all of the like dangers in terms of environmental factors. It's more about, you know, you can still sell it online. You can do it on Poshmark or Facebook Marketplace or something like that where you're giving it to just a different home or donating it, like whatever you want to do, depending on where it's from and how old it is, all of those things, whatever makes the most sense. But you don't have to wait till it's a bad item to discard it. There's so many ways that you can get rid of it that will go to a new home that someone will then actually use it. If it's just sitting in your closet collecting dust, but you have this weird thing that you just feel like you should hold on to it, I would definitely look into that and figure out why we're holding on to the things that are such mediocre energy. We really want only hell yeses. And I say this about everything, not just the big things like your career and your partner and your friends, 
but like only hell yes is in your closet as well if you don't fucking love what you have in your closet get rid of it because we're wearing i mean i don't know about you but i'm wearing clothes every day i'm not walking around naked so i think that we should really have only hell yeses in our closet because the way that it makes us feel i mean to to throw it back a second that show what not to wear do you guys remember this from the early 2000s tlc oh i loved that show stacy and i don't remember the other guy's name but I loved the show, but when you think about it in hindsight, it was extremely judgmental. It was kind of contributing, I wouldn't say kind of actually, it was contributing to ideal beauty standards in North America. And it was kind of rough because they're going into these people's lives without the people really asking for it. It's usually like a friend or a family or a coworker, like member basically nominating this person. So that was the other thing too. It's not like they're raising their hand, like I need a makeover. Someone else was nominating them. And as much as we can criticize this, and I've actually heard Stacy, who was like the, the host of it, she has talked about it in recent years about how she looks back on it and sees some of the dangers and issues with that show. But what also was a very real reality is that you would see people leave these makeovers feeling so differently about themselves, even with just a couple swaps, so like a haircut, a couple different outfits and ways of being. Suddenly they were just feeling different about the way that they entered the world. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. And I think that that is where we have to understand the kind of difference between following trends and what everyone wants you to wear versus what feels aligned with your personal style and really how you want to show up in the world and feel good. The whole premise of all of it is to feel your best, feel your highest self. And what that looks like visually is so varied because it's not about the actual way you look it's the way that you feel but of course it will change how you look as well I shared the photos that I was originally talking about from my Instagram post because you can tell the physical change that I went through like my eyes are brighter my face looks different the way that my hair is so much more healthy now and long and all these things, it's because I'm no longer bleaching it and dyeing it and just killing the shit out of it, essentially, you know? I want you all to feel good. And I know for me, I struggle with this because part of me is like, you don't need to buy new things to feel good about yourself. But the other thing is that clothes and fashion can be such a beautiful way to express who we are on the inside, right? And express ourselves creatively and like showcase our personal style. That's why the fashion industry is so huge. And I've actually wanted, this is a fun fact, throwback. I actually my whole life wanted to be a fashion designer. I almost went to school for fashion. It was like my huge thing. And then once it got to grade 12, I decided to pivot. But majority of my life was spent thinking I would end up in the fashion industry. And hey, who knows? Maybe I will eventually, but not right now. So I do appreciate fashion, but lately I felt very disconnected from it because when I was in living in Vancouver, everyone was just wearing like Lululemon and Aritzia and there was very minimal, I would say, expression in terms of fashion. Like if you go to New York, you go to Toronto, you go to different big cities, you see just everything, all the different fashions. And it's like honestly incredible. I love seeing people, the way that they can style things and that street fashion 
you know, that same, it's like that Instagram account, Humans of New York, seeing what people would wear was just always been fascinating to me. Even if I wouldn't wear it, I can so appreciate someone wearing something super unique and cool. And once I moved to Toronto, I kind of had an identity crisis because not only have I gone through so much personal change internally and my life externally, but also I suddenly was like, I don't even know what I'm doing when it comes to how I'm dressing because I felt like I was kind of dressing the last few years for other people and what was popular and all the things, but not the things that I really felt like a hell yes to. I would buy, you know, something that even though it was popular to wear, I didn't really feel was flattering on me. I didn't like how it actually looked on me, things like that. So decluttering all the bullshit that I don't like anymore, making space for the new, and then following the nudges of items that I'm just obsessed with. For example, I'm going to quickly tell you this because it just happened last week. Actually, no, I just got them in the mail this week. But the last few weeks, I've seen, again, Melissa Wood Tepperberg of Melissa Wood Health. She posted in these Mishi leggings, and they're essentially like 80s, um, almost like a bodysuit with the mesh tights and stirrups. And I'm so obsessed. The minute I saw them, I was like, I need these. And the matching, this like crisscrossy bra, it's super edgy. And then when I went on the website of this brand, it's actually like boudoir times sport collection or something. So it's like mixing the fashion with the functional movement elements. And I really love that. And I would definitely describe my personal style as more on the edgy side. I love leathers and black and dark colors and mesh and different textures. And even if I'm wearing like a dress, I want a leather jacket with it or leather booties. Like I like the contrast of that. I know that might sound cringy of saying something's like edgy, but I I do own a lot of leather. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> so that's how the best way I can describe it. But I was just obsessed with these leggings and Honestly, I felt like I shouldn't buy them just in terms of the financial investment. They're a little bit higher than I'd like to spend, but I couldn't stop thinking about them. I did sit on it for a few days. I didn't, you know, buy them spontaneously without thinking. I really simmered on it and I finally pulled the trigger and said, all right, I need these. I bought the matching bra as well. I actually haven't received the bra in the mail yet, but I got the leggings and the leggings fit me perfectly. They're the greatest things I've ever bought. Oh my God, I feel like a 20 out of 10 in them. And I'm so excited to hustle my little ass to the gym in these leggings because I'm gonna feel my best. And I just feel like when you not only feel your best and look your best, but you totally show up in the world differently, I'm probably gonna have a way better workout. And it's just, you feel good. You have that little pep in your step when you feel like that. So, of course, acknowledging the dangers of mass consumption and fast fashion is really important. And I think educating yourself, watching some of the documentaries on Netflix, I think it definitely gets you thinking differently about the fashion industry. But at its core and, you know, thinking about just how we show up in the world, we obviously have to wear clothing legally. I don't think, I don't know what countries you're allowed to walk around naked legally, actually. That's something I need to Google later. But in Canada, you can only walk around topless. So if you weren't just doing that, you would get probably put in jail for public indecency, I think is the term. So you actually have to wear clothes and you get to choose what kind of clothes you wear. Doesn't mean it has to be expensive. Doesn't mean that you have to, 
you know, stress about it. It's just curating your personal style. There are the people who loved the thrifting and vintage side of things. I sometimes thrift, but honestly, I don't have the eye for it. I'm not a creative human being in terms of like altering stuff and I don't have a ton of patience when it comes to sifting through things. So I can't say I'm the best thrifter, but there are people who love to do that and find absolute steals that I personally would just, I've never found because I don't give it the time. But you can totally do that, right? There's so many ways to go about it. It doesn't have to be a massive investment. I also don't buy a ton of designer things I don't own any designer bags. Well, actually, that's not true. I have a vintage guest bag, but it's literally like, it's a guest. It's not, you know, I don't know that I would describe them as one of like the top designers, you know what I mean? So I definitely don't have any of that and I'm not opposed to buying it eventually, but as of right now, it doesn't make sense for me. I would prefer to invest money elsewhere. So it's just not my thing. But if that's your thing, great. It's just finding what aligns with you and your personal values and style. And I think finding your personal style includes curating like Pinterest boards, for example, for inspiration and just figure out what you really like. Now, when it comes to hair and makeup, oh my fucking God, I've had so many products, <laughs> like way too many products. Um, I just recently, in the last few years, since I stopped working in the beauty industry, have slowed down from purchasing so many products. I that that required like some conscious effort because it's really easy to just stock up on products when you're, you know, have like the VIB sales and stuff like that at Sephora, or you're seeing something at Shoppers real quick, anything at the like pharmacy you can quickly grab. It can be really easy to accumulate a lot of clutter being a woman I mean I know this is the same for men for some men but I feel like you know more on the women's side just in the way that we're also marketed beauty products so differently and there's 85 different variations of the one same thing where men have like two selections which isn't necessarily necessarily fair either but I'm just saying on a grand scale women are more of the consumers of the beauty industry And when I worked at Sephora and in the beauty industry, I made a lot of purchases myself, but I also got a lot of free product. So I got to this place where I had so much makeup, I didn't even know what to do with it. Like there was no way I was ever going to use it. So just literally this past weekend, I threw out a bunch of shit, all the stuff that was expired. It's way too old to ever put on my face. And like, guys, our skin it can seep into our skin. Like that's so gross when you think of expired old makeup. So I got rid of a bunch of stuff and I just realized that there were so many things that I was like trying to con myself into using, you know, it just didn't make sense to hold on to it, you know, and the minute that I got rid of a bunch of stuff like garbage bags full of clothes and makeup and products, all the things were just removed from my life last weekend, I feel so much lighter. I feel like I can think more and I can find the shit that I actually like more easily in my small Toronto apartment. So that's a win, number one. Two, I feel like I can now make room for figuring out what products I'm missing and what I could like buy a new one of should the time come. So, you know, for example, I realized that I had four empty mascaras that I've just hanging on to the tubes for no reason, finally threw those out and opened up the new mascara that I had sitting 
just there waiting to be opened. Like, it's just so ridiculous how many products I've owned. But, you know, not only is it gross to just hold on to, like, old mascaras, but why am I trying to, like, use these dried out tubes when I could just open the brand new one that I already own? Just, it's crazy. And I probably bought that mascara probably, like, six months ago. That's the... When it comes to makeup, I definitely wear less of it than I did in the past. I still love cream products more than powders. When I worked for Nude Sticks for a couple of years, I really found a love for their products, so I still use a lot of those. And then I use a lot of like random other brands, but I have kind of like my core go-tos. Um, I've shared this on my social media a lot, and I can share an updated one for sure, but I basically just have found what I like, but what I would recommend in terms of finding, you know, what works for you if you want to wear makeup or if you want to play with it or if you do like to wear it, I would recommend figuring out what the desired outcome of the product is and what your skin type is and if it's going to actually work for you. Something that I saw all the time working at Sephora was that women would want to see like a product and buy it because they saw someone else doing it on social media, but then they would hate it because it's not the right thing for them. For example, I remember the Kat Von D Locket Foundation, super heavy, super full coverage, quite matte, like of a finish, so it looks powdered basically. Now, I hated that foundation. I'm someone who doesn't have like the need to cover a lot. I have dry skin, so that kind of makeup makes me look super cakey. And then I don't like full coverage, nor do I like a matte finish. I like to look hella glowy, like as sweaty as possible is what I like to look at. So if I were to buy that foundation just because someone else really liked it, I would hate it once I tried it because it just wasn't the right thing for me. So I think just like doing more research and understanding kind of a couple of key differences between products in terms of finish and what the material is. So is it a cream? Is it a powder? Um, and the application of it, is it something that's going to be easy to use every day or does it require a lot of intense processes and brushes and all the things? Like, what is your actual lifestyle when it comes to products? I think it's a really important intentional question to ask. I'm just going to wrap up because we've been recording for too long now. I'm going to wrap up with just the hair stuff. So I have dyed my hair many, 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 many times. Lots of highlights, lots of bleach and tones, um, as I mentioned earlier. Lots of different haircuts. I've done the bangs after a breakup, especially I was bleach white blonde at the time as well, which was crazy. Um, I don't know how I still have hair on my head after that one. I had years of Olaplex basically to try to repair my hair. And COVID was kind of my savior when it came to my hair growth journey because I like my hair was so short and so dead that I actually just left it alone during COVID. I gave myself a couple trims when everything was locked down and I came out of COVID with long, healthy hair. So that was kind of the biggest blessing, but sticking to just slightly darker than my natural color, I've found the cut that I really love. I have, you know, avoided any highlights. I'm really specific about just taking care of it. Maybe I'll get highlights in the future, but I'll never do like a bleach and tone again. That would just, my hair felt like straw and it just wasn't me. I think I was trying to be someone I wasn't, but I think everyone needs to be blonde at one point in their life just to get it out of their system. But then you got to go on your hair health journey and never do it again. That's basically what I did. Got it out of my system and I don't regret it, but I definitely feel funny about it because 
anytime I go through something pivotal, I do have the initial instinct to like go and book a hair appointment. But because I'm so happy with my hair now, I've had to find other ways to shake it up and want to kind of change my appearance and match it with how I feel on the inside and change that like energetic feeling with change um, rather than just going and bleaching my hair. So to sum it up, everybody, I want to just remind you that all of this stuff is based on feeling your fucking best. That's all I want for everybody. And when we start to change how we feel about ourselves and the mindset around it, now how I've changed my beliefs, that's going to be a whole other episode. But being able to really work on the internal is exactly what's going to change the external. I know for me, I have stopped trying to look a certain way and be a certain way because I stopped looking for external validation. You know, I stopped piling on the products and the this and the that because I thought I need to when I realized I actually don't need any of the stuff. You know, being able to do less with that, but then pour more into the things that make me feel really good. I definitely do way more holistic beauty things now than I ever did, but it's also because I really don't want to do Botox or any of that too prematurely. I don't have any Botox or filler right now, and I'm trying to keep it that way. I want to like really age gracefully, but also not dabble into the needles too soon. And no hate to anyone who does that. If that's your thing, that's your thing. All the fucking power to you. Whatever makes you feel good. I just really love being able to almost like reverse age with all of these other like natural methods. It's something I find really interesting and something I really enjoy. So that is my journey. But being able to just feel your absolute best and envision what your future highest self looks like and find ways to match that is, I think, the biggest glow up. I think the biggest glow up is having that beautiful energy as you walk into a room and just feeling confident, feeling your comfiest, whatever that looks like. If you feel confident in the baggy, loose, you know, clothing trend, then fucking do it. If that's not you, that's not you. Whatever it is, like you don't have to follow the trends. You don't have to do anything. You just, it is your responsibility to feel your best and to do whatever that looks like. These are some random tips and my story on, you know, the ways that I've confronted some of these different industries and different products and things, but feel free to take what you want, leave what you don't. And at the end of the day, as long as you're feeling like your hottest self, that's all I want for you. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Please let me know on my Instagram at the not so average betch and follow me on TikTok. If you haven't already, download the guide. There's four steps to getting unstuck and stepping into your power. That's linked in the show notes. And I will see you guys next Wednesday. Thank you again for listening and have the best week.